Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Back at it. Um, hey, we got a bunch of people watching right now. Please, please hit that thumbs up button. If you are new to the channel and you've liked any portion of what you've heard tonight, go ahead and hit that subscription button. Um, I think we're going to gain some ground, folks. I think we're going to gain some ground this offseason on some folks that don't work. And I'm not talking about Josh Pate. That some bitch works hard. I'm not talking about our guy, J- our J- J.D. Piquel. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the rest of you jokers. I'm talking about the rest of you jokers that are going to sit on your hands this offseason. We're going to eat. We are going to absolutely run you down like the buffaloes that we are. So I'm telling you right now, we're coming. We're absolutely coming. Um, hey, you're never, just like our competition, you are never safe in the world of college football nowadays. Ever, ever, ever. That statement was never more true than today when running back Quenshawn Juckins entered the NCAA transfer portal. Juckins has been the primary back and arguably one of the nation's best backs when healthy for two straight seasons. Um, and when you just think, like when you think about what's happened this offseason, the main, and it's only been a month, the main talking point has been about how Ole Miss is loading up for a title run, right? How they've gone out in the portal and they have put in work, right? They have got dudes on dudes on dudes that were not cheap, you would presume, coming to their football program. Um, that, that, that transfer portal, that sucker closes today with a grace period of 48 hours and all of a sudden, one of their best players enters, enters the portal at the very waning hours of this thing. Um, and the only way, the only way that this made sense to me was either there was a, a, a disagreement that was unattainable, right? Uh, you couldn't get over it, or there were two sides of the parties that just weren't going to be able to get happy, or this was a strong-arm negotiation tactic. Those were the only two thoughts I had today when this individual entered the portal because here's the deal. Quinshawn Junkins and his representation team are not stupid. So when they watch 9, 10, 11 Power 5 football players transfer into their university, all right, and a senior quarterback come back, they know they didn't do it for free, all right, and they know for a fact that they can go and they can demand more money at the last minute, ideally, and get a strong arm tactic and get some, and get, just simply put, get a good raise, right? Get a nice little pay bump and raise. Um, but here's my thing with that. I don't think that were to be true or would be true, or if it were, it would be a bad tactic at this point in the proceedings because what, where, where are your negotiation, uh, you know, uh, strong points here? Where, where, where in the negotiations does Quinchon Junkins now have the upper hand? Because here's the deal. This is a massive player and a massive name that just entered the portal when everybody's salary cap is already pressed and stressed. I would imagine. You would imagine, right? Like the Will Howard stuff just happened today, announced officially. We told you that stuff was accounted for two weeks ago last night. That's why we felt the need to come on here and talk about it. Because we knew it was happening. We knew he didn't have to wait on some official visit. We knew he took two official visits elsewhere just to kind of hide the smoke. The smoke was, that dude's going to Ohio State. That was two weeks ago, done. 
All right, so now we got this massive name who you would imagine is going to draw some type of massive check that just entered the portal, gentlemen, at the very waning hours of the sucker. So I'm asking you, if you were responsible for the, the money allocation at one of these places, which is something we're going to talk about here in a second, if you were responsible for that, how on earth could you come to the, the decision of you've got the, 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 the means to sum it up this late push for somebody when you've probably already been making dozens of late pushes over the last month trying to get your roster finalized. Yeah, I think I would have probably not pushed as hard as I did and landed some of these top-end offensive guys because, I mean, the offense has never been the problem at Ole Miss. I don't mm -hmm. feel like there was ever a need for them to go in there and just like get an Antoine Wells type of guy, especially when you already have Tay Harris coming back, who was one of your leading receivers this past year. I mean, we're talking about Quinshawn Judkins, who became the first SEC running back to have 15 touchdowns in their first two seasons as a running back. I mean, this guy is really good. He's been invaluable for you in the back end of that um, offense. So really interesting to know that, hey, we'll spend money every here, all the way over here. But then when it comes to your own guys, kind of got the vibe of like not taking care of my own a little bit. The understanding I got, and this is just rumors on online and stuff, is that he had problems with other teammates and that he wasn't getting along with certain people. And, and I wanted were, it was kind of a mutual decision for them. I to wanted part to save this because I wanted to go through this whole rigmarole about how the last minute strong arm tactics don't really make a whole lot of sense. You got you got very little leverage unless you're just going to go to a program that's got fuck it money, which apparently it sounds like Miami, according to the chat, Miami and Colorado are two names in the mix. Um, I had a bunch of different teams on this list that I, would, that I was all NIL-based, right? Oregon, probably going to get in the mix here, you would imagine. Tennessee, mm -hmm. probably going to get in the mix here, you would imagine. TAMU, probably going to get in the mix here, you would imagine. They're the teams that constantly, year in and year out, have fuck it money. I'll put two lines on the board here in a second. Three in one day. All right, so they, those were the programs that we kind of worried about with regards to, hey, they might be able to walk in, poach your roster, um, and, and Miami being one of those teams as well, and nowadays college or, uh, Colorado being one of those teams at the last minute as well. Um, I, I, I tend to lean the, – the longer and the more and more reading I do about this, I tend to lean more towards what you're talking about. Maybe there were some drastic disagreements with the leadership in this program – and where Quinshawn Jenkins fit because of we saw something uh, Jackson Dart put on his Instagram story. It's a soundbite. We're not going to be able to play the clip for you. It's a soundbite from Tom Brady, and I just want to play the sound for you. This was posted on Jackson Dart's Instagram story shortly after Quinshawn Jenkins' news was announced today. He was always like, man, if, if you're about yourself, you may be amazing. I would love to compete against you. <laughs> Go play for the other team. Because when you're around a bunch of selfish people, and I've been that. around those, yep. you know. That's pretty damning, yep. right? If you want to be about yourself, you can be an opponent. Go play for the other team. Go play for the other team is what my man said on his Instagram story today. And by the way, he wasn't the only one. His head football coach seemed relatively okay with the news today of Quinshawn Junkins entering the portal. Yeah, quote tweeted his portal announcement. as was like, appreciate you. Yeah, ain't going to be no – coming back to Ole Miss, it seems like. I no. thought that might have been. That's why I'm throwing out the strong-arm tactic, uh, you know, talking point. It's gone. This wasn't about getting more money from Ole Miss. This was about leaving Ole Miss. Yeah, mm -hmm. it certainly felt that way. Well, then it was, it was kind of weird because, like, he entered the portal, 
And then there's kind of like these mumblings of like kind of what we heard over the past few days about these kids that are saying they're entering the portal but not entering the portal officially. But then eventually it got to the point where it's like, yeah, he's officially in the portal. So I don't know if like maybe there was talks about it and there were some more conversations had and then that's where they kind of got down to the nitty gritty of things. And it was like, okay, like, yeah, we need to part ways. Because then it became an announcement of this was a mutual departure is what it's You know what my favorite part about this season is? The so-and-so can confirm reports. I watched a national reporter today, like 30 minutes after this news broke, tweeted something like, I can confirm officially that Quinshawn Junkins is entering the portal. It's like, buddy, get off your high horse. I didn't need you to confirm it. It's already been out there. The goddamn kids tweeted it. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. Um, the the I confirm with sources tweeting from national reporting analysts, it, it's uh, it's gross. Yeah. Um, and it's almost always re-reporting. I guarantee you it is re-reporting. They are watching a competitor that is paid to do the same job at the other, you know, beat or the other company, and they're seeing that guy tweet about it. And you're telling me they got time to get beat on a story and run down sources at that school and then tweet out sources confirmed? No. Your ops Twitter account confirmed it, and you ran with that as a source. We all know your game. As someone who's been in this business for four and a half years, we know your game. Stop doing it. Um, so I think all of the, the, is he in the portal? He is in the portal. I officially report he's in the portal. I think what that is, is a lot of people don't realize just how complicated the system is in terms of getting into the portal, right? Tweeting out and Kirby talked about this, tweeting out a, a logo saying, I'm going into the portal or tweeting out an edit. That don't mean shit. That is not an official statement at all. Did you know that you have to physically write out? You have to physically go to the registrar. You have to sit down and you have to write out, I'm going into the portal. And then there's a several questions on this NCAA questionnaire and you have to complete it, sign it, turn it into your registrar. Now, that registrar then has 48 hours to legitimately turn that paperwork in. So the first things first, you gotta go out and tweet it, let the world know that you fit and do it. Then you gotta go to your coach and say, coach, I, I want to go. And then the coach is like, all right, well, I got 48 hours to talk you into whether or not you actually want to do that. Then after that 48-hour moratorium, there's the actual paperwork. And then, by the way, the paperwork gets turned in as another 48 hours. All right, so what happens if the registrar's office is closed? Magically. Oh, we got to wait another day. You see what I'm saying? There are a lot of ways to kind of draw out this process. And I think at a lot of good schools, when big names hit the portal, you're going to see some of this drawn out processes. Except for at Ole Miss today, their coach was out on a uh, deep sea fishing boat uh, tweeting about catch and release. He's on vacay mode. Full oh, big vacay time. mode. Big time. pictures of golf carts, fish. And then he's sitting in his backyard with a Georgia Red uh, Solo Cup. Like, dude, just chilling. What kind of liquor do you think Lane Kiffin drinks? Any kind. Evan Williams. No, nah, I think he's a Johnny – he's a blue label guy. I think Johnny Walker a, blue label. He strikes me as – Say Evan Williams. Yeah. <laughs> you dirty dog. He strikes me as tequila. Mmm. A little psycho. Yeah, a little slutty. <laughs> yeah. Lane Kiffin, a little slutty. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense because I have always kind of wondered, like, why is it – the why is the phrasing always plans to enter the transfer portal? So, like, yeah. that part makes sense. And then, like, even with Georgia recently – Because like, that's what it is. Yeah. They, they, they want to go – they're not officially in. Mm -hmm. That's how they let people know. I plan to do it. Now I still got to go talk to my coach. I got to fill out the paperwork, and I got to turn it into the registrar's office. I mean, for C.J. Smith, the Georgia wide receiver, it, I mean, he it said that it was like f like five days ago or something like that. Yeah. It was, he plans into the portal, and then today it was officially like he's in officially portal. entered the portal. Takes Enter. a while. It does. And especially if you know the game. If you know the game as a uh, as a as a, a college football coach right now, right about now, you can definitely uh, prolong this process as long as you want, unless you don't want to. 
Did you hear that um, McClellan might transfer out of Alabama, apparently? How does he have years left? I don't know. I was just seeing that on Twitter today that apparently there's talk about that happening. We got a bunch of Bama topics to talk about tonight. Welcome into our national hour. Uh, Will Howard to OSU. We're going to talk about that. A new role, I believe, is needed in the world of college football. The portal officially closes today. We're going to bring you the biggest storylines from that saga over the last month that's played out. A bunch, a bunch of Bama topics to hit on tonight. I'm going to give you three. You're going to pick from them. Um, we haven't given three in a long time. No, we, haven't we haven't given them three on the segments. We need, I'm going to give you three tonight. I'm going to give them three. Uh, Malachi Nelson to Boise State of all places. We're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to open with something we talked about last night, which is Will Howard to Ohio State. Didn't need the official visit, boys. Went ahead and popped it and said, I'm going to Ohio State. Ohio State fans jumped in the mentions last night, or not in the mentions, in the comments on the YouTube channel, and said that they're in agreement. Will Howard, some six foot two stacked mid, and is coming to Ohio State to be a, comp a, a, a compete for the starting job, not to be anointed the starter. I think him and Devin Brown are Spider-Man meme, I, personally. Mm -hmm. uh, watching them play, uh, seeing what the, the profile and the negatives are on both of them, this idea that they're mobile quarterbacks who might be turnover prone, who can't quite complete 65% of their passes, boy, are they the same person. I saw a tweet from – I think it was from Barrett Sally that said um, – Getting Howard after going from going from Colin McCord to Howard is like going from Moe's to um, Chipotle and getting a burrito. It's fresh, but it's virtually the same thing. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, not bad. I think Howard's a better athlete. Um, but, yeah, no, you're about right. 59, 60% completion percentage, 2-1 to one turnover to pick ratio. About what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, do I – Ohio State fans are getting very grumpy, I think. I feel like they've become one of the more bitter fan bases in college football over the last three months just because of everything that's happened in the quarterback position. I mean, you go from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to C.J. Yeah. Stroud, and now you're like, you've are like you got Will Howard and Devin Brown. After watching Kyle McCord yuck it up. For yeah, a year. Like it's, I mean, it's kind of been something we've seen across college football, these positions like Alabama, the run that they had at wide receivers. Mm. And then, I mean, you ran smack into a wall. I mean, mm. it was it, – it's essentially happened in the 2021 National Championship game against Georgia. Like, right in front of their eyes, it was, what the heck just happened? Like, I, what happened to our wide receiver room? And since then, it hasn't been the same same thing for Ohio State. But they're hitting it at a multiple positions. Like, yeah. your wide receiver room is now depleted. Your quarterback room is now depleted. Your running back room, I don't know what that's going to be looking like. The line looks abhorrent. So, I mean, it, it, there is reason to kind of not hit the panic button or anything like that, but maybe start putting your hand, hovering over it, kind of feeling it out, seeing how things are about to go. Because there is, especially with how Michigan's looking now and the run that they might be able to go on, even with or without Harbaugh, who knows where your place is going to be in the Big Ten. I think the chat hit it on the head. I think Aaron Nolan might be the the future at Ohio mm -hmm. State quicker than most people realize. Oh, yeah. Um, but we already kind of talked about that last night. I think there's a new role, a new job that is opening in college football that I'm sure a lot of teams are already on top of, but I don't know, like at Georgia, for example, I don't think there's one of these. Uh, maybe it's somebody working and pulling strings in the back channels, but it's not someone who is forward-facing, um, and it's not someone who's getting a lot of credit out there. They're kind of keeping it quiet. But I think a capologist is needed in college football nowadays. Based off the news today with Quinchon Junkins hitting the portal and no one really expecting it, nobody really being prepared for it, everybody being kind of caught off guard by this, well, now there's a million to a million and a half player available that I don't think a lot of people have the, or the cap salary available for that purchase of an acquisition. I think there needs to be somebody managing salary caps in college football right now because there's obvious there is not a, a, a ceiling 
or a floor being set by legislation, but in every independent school, there is an obvious amount of money that they are available to spend, meaning there is an individual cap at each one of these individual schools. And I don't think, at least at schools that I know of, I don't think there is a good enough job being done right now of making sure that A, we are maximizing the money that is coming in, but B, we are allocating those resources accordingly. And we're doing so at the right way. And we are predicting things like Quinshawn Judkins happening. And we are predicting things like guys on our roster getting poached, right? The, the Marvin Jones money should have been made available 18 months ago. I'm telling you that right now. If it were going to come down to that, they should have known it was going to come down to that. That's what this job is to be done for, right? The capologist is what we're going to call it. The capologist's job is to make sure that all of the boosters that love the University of Georgia or love Alabama, that they are maximizing their donation pools while also making sure that that donation pool is going out at the right rate. This is not a general manager, this, which NFL teams obviously have. This is That, that guy's competing against 32 teams on the even level playing field. It's not this job. This job is a guy who also has to be able to be a general manager, right? Allocate the money at the right spots. Um, but this person is also a fundraiser, okay? And this person is also a director of player personnel, which is made available at every college athletics uh, place. There are DPPs. There are guys whose job it is to make sure they're going out and getting the right players. But that guy's job is to be a scout. That guy's job is not to handle salary cap right now. And guess what? That dude's getting strapped with having to handle a salary cap right now. At a lot of these places, this job has been allocated to people who sit in a room, study a lot of tape. They are the film guy at that university, and their job is to assess the roster, find out where the holes are, go fill the holes, or find the players and rank the players to fill those holes. Well, now all those players have dollar amounts accounted to them. And I don't think these players or these people in these positions of director of player personnel are quite equipped to be handling something such as a salary cap. And by the way, if that person's not having to deal with it, you know who is? The position coach. The position coach at these universities is constantly being berated with, Coach, I need more money. Coach, I need more money. Coach, I'm a recruit. I want this. Coach, I need more money. Coach, I need more money. That shouldn't be that guy's job no more. That guy, if he gets strong-armed by a football player, his immediate response should be, call our capologist. I'm sorry. That's not my job. My job is to make you a great football player. My, not, my job is not to actively negotiate with you every offseason, which is what a lot of these position coaches and a lot of these schools are having to do. In my opinion, the capologist needs to be a, a, a job. They need to open this up. Something needs to be done for, hey, wh who's making sure we're getting all these funds in and who's making sure we're allocating them properly? I completely agree with you. I think the one issue you're going to run into with this capologist thing is knowing how much to spend when you can spend it. Like the NFL has a, a set salary cap for each team and there's a deadline for free agency period. Like if Derrick Henry opened up in the NFL, everyone would know it because his contract would be up. Correct. Quinshawn Judkins popped and no one was like, oh shit, where did this come from? Kind of. So like, how do you, how do you come to expect things like that or predict that in the market? It's no different than, I mean, you, 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 it's a very unique position. That's why I call this not a GM. Right. It's not a director or player person. It's a capologist. It's a new term. And what you're going to have to be good at is you're going to have to always have resident funds, always have leftovers, right? You also have to have the ability, if you're Ole Miss and you want to keep that player, right, that capologist has to have the ability to go schmooze talk that, that booster. That, hey, I know I just called you for 50, but I need another 10. And you got to make that call nine times over. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that that's the new job that has to be made available. Um, and it's something that's gonna be needed at a lot of these schools and is already needed in my opinion. Like I told y'all we're coming back from the state t- title games with all those coaches on the sideline. Can't tell you how many coaches are on their phone actively getting strong armed by kids. I'm getting this. Someone's offering me this. What you gonna do? Call the capologist. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing it. My hands are up. I I don't even know what's made available to you. I don't know what y'all are uh, you're, you're getting. Or I don't know what's possible. I don't know what's left over for you to have. I think that's a great idea just off the sole purpose of you're going to extend the lives of coaches in this world. Facts. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you are going to add five-plus years to uh, like to coaches around this game, not even just head coaches, but position coaches. And everybody knows, like, if you're stepping into a role, like, you're going to get you a psycho that just eats that up. I mean, like, they just love it. They love having to be a smooch talker. They love having to be that person. They take they pop 10 Adderall a day, whatever it takes. They're ready to do it Yeah, for you basically you. need a sales bro. Yeah. That's what you need. You need a sales bro who's out here uh, zenning for the win all day long, um, got rid of the vapes because they were a time inefficiency. He's both a nerd and he like likes a lot of hair gel and wears a dope suit. That's what you need. Lovely. I can't. There are, there's like 10 of those guys off the top of my head I can think of <laughs> yeah. that I know personally. Yeah, that are out here like, bro, you got to get in on this day one stock. Trust me. Yeah. Big trust. And if you don't, that guy turns out to be a billionaire, and you're stick, sitting there holding your dick in your hand, and you're like, damn, I should have done it. You know? Happens. <laughs> Happens to all of us, man. Happens to all of us. No, nah, capologists, I, I really do. I think it's something that needs to be done. I think it needs a, a role. I got to thinking about this a couple years ago. Um, but the other thing I, I realized is that, like, I think we talked about this the other night. They're not doing it the way that they told us they were going to do it, right? No. When, when NIL first got brought to the forefront, do y'all remember this? Yeah. When NIL first got brought to the forefront, we were led to believe that there was going to be a registrar's office. There's basically going to be an NIL mm-hmm. office that is we find out what the players are doing. We report that income. We make sure everything's in line. We approve of the NIL. That shit ain't happening. That shit is not happening. This is this is just here's some money, son. Thanks for being a, a Gonzaga Bulldog on the on the basketball team. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not what we thought it was going to be. And I mean, even if it is happening, there might there might be an NIL register. I'm not sure. It's you can do so much under the table now that it doesn't even matter. It it, it just I, I I love the idea of NIL, but I think there's no way you can enforce it. It's just gonna it's yeah. a free for all until cause it, until it, sanctions yeah. until until actual legislation comes out and. Uh, you know, all these all these smart football people, they keep telling me, change is coming, change is coming, change is coming. I think the change is revenue share. If I had to take a guess, yep. I think the, there's a complete separation of revenue-producing sports, and it maintains Title IX outside. Because you can still keep Title IX at, you know, we got 13 baseball scholarships, we got 13 women's soccer scholarships. You know, what are some other non-revenue-producing men's sports? Think about them. I, I don't know a ton of them. I mean, in the SEC, it's baseball, football, and basketball. I, I mean, feels like track. What most men track. Track's a non-revenue producing sport, and you're going to see 700 throwers on the track team to balance out these Title IX scholarships. But nonetheless, um, I think what you're ultimately going to see is a separation of revenue sports. In my opinion, that's the quote unquote big change that's coming, and the separation is going to be revenue sharing, which will allow for actual contractual uh, legislation. Which means, like, hey, you're not going to be able to opt out because your contract says you have to play. Mm. Things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think eventually that will happen. The portal. The portal officially closed today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, again, there's some – I want to read this to you guys. There's some 
I don't understand the portal. I don't. Most fans think that just because the transfer portal has closed means that players won't continue to transfer. But in reality, undergraduates can still appear in the official portal list for days after the window officially closed. That midline deadline refers to not the ability of the players to appear in the portal, but rather to submit their names and declare their intention to transfer. Provided a player has turned in his paperwork by that time, he will have met the deadline. But after that paperwork is submitted, the NCAA compliance team can take up to two days to process the entry and formally add his name to the portal list, meaning that late entrants can appear in the portal after the deadline. So basically what that means is what I was telling you. It's a longer process than you think it is. Um, and most of these processes come with 48-hour timelines on them where there can be some delaying of these things. And obviously, once you're in, it doesn't mean you're leaving. Um, it means that they can basically vacate your scholarship if they choose to do so. But you're also available to come back to that university. It's a mess. It's a mess. But the portal did close today, and I felt it necessary. We felt it necessary to kind of put a bow on this thing. Put a bow on this here portal thing. There's been a bunch of names and news revolving around it. Uh, so let's recap it, guys. We got some categories here. Best impact or biggest impact player, biggest surprise, biggest loss, the team award, the team that did the best job in the portal, and the biggest story made available via the portal window. Where should we start? Biggest impact. Let's talk about it. who's going to have the biggest impact, man. All right, biggest impact player in my my opinion. We could go quarterback here. I think a lot of the answers will be quarterbacks. I think Walter Nolan is a drop-dead impact player. Yeah. Um, I think when you you know, get a guy like this at the defensive tackle position, he's immediately going to impact football games. Um, I was honestly stunned to see Shamar Stewart not leave that university. I think that kind of tells you maybe his NIL representation got some guaranteed money on his NIL contract. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because all these contracts, you would imagine, were different based off the representation that the player had coming out of high school when signing the NIL deal. So I couldn't believe he didn't enter the portal. He would have been my immediate answer for this. I think that guy's a day one NFL guy. I think Walter could be that as well. I think there's some development still to be had. But if Walter Nolan plays like what Walter Nolan was coming out of high school, you just signed essentially Derrick Brown to play for Ole Miss. Hmm. And that is huge. Yeah, no doubt. Especially with how important that defense has been at Ole hmm. Miss. I mean – Having a guy like that on your defensive line, without a doubt. I mean, it obviously can't completely change your defense, but it certainly can help it in a big way. For me, it is Kyle McCord. And I, I know you can say what you want, that Kyle McCord is boring. He doesn't Kyle do anything. McCord. Yeah, you know, you can say all those things. But for a place like Syracuse, and, I mean, one of the most important things, we know how valuable the quarterback position is for anybody. And for how bad quarterback play has been for Syracuse and how bad Syracuse has been in general – to have him immediately go into that room and had a full season of experience playing somewhere like the Big Ten, which is not what the ACC is, I think he can have a massive impact for the Orange. Mm. I had a guy, I, I feel like he's going to be one of the bigger, I don't know if this team's going to do anything special in the regular season, but I had Malik Murphy at Duke mm. just being one of, the, one of the better athletes on the field at all times for a team that necessarily doesn't really have as many high-quality athletes as a Ohio State or a Georgia or an Alabama would, so... Still shocking to me to watch Ohio State sign Will Howard, and it's like, yeah, we'll let Malik Murphy go to Duke. It's like, what? Very weird. Maybe Malik Murphy wants to be a doctor. I I don't know. Maybe maybe people don't think as highly of Malik Murphy as I do. I see Malik Murphy and I see what it could be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and and guys get drafted off of what could be, let alone get portaled. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let alone get picked up out of the portal. So. That was kind of wild to me. Um, you got you got a biggest impact player? 
We all you already gave it. All, all three already gave it. All right. Biggest surprise. Um, I think the the news storyline today was probably pretty shocking to people, but I have one. Mm. I, mine was Malik Murphy going to Duke. That mm. was the biggest surprise to me, and not only just him going to Duke, but seeing like the three schools that were kind of gunning after him. It was Duke and it was Baylor, and I can't remember the third one, but they were all three schools of like really like that's 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 kind of the buzz that Malik Murphy's drumming up right now. Like a guy that was at Texas, a lot of people had faith in him, was serviceable for Texas, and moments where they didn't have Quinn Ewers. Like it was shocking to me, especially knowing that like. This isn't the Duke team this last year that was fighting to be a top 25 team constantly throughout the year if it wasn't for some injuries. Like, this is a team that got stripped away, got their head coach stripped away from them, mm. and now feels like it's Manny Diaz, and we don't know what else is going to happen there except we have Malik Murphy at quarterback. Mine was Oregon taking both Dylan Gabriel Damn. and Dante Moore. Damn it. Like, that's two, like, high-quality, very coveted quarterbacks in the transfer portal, and the fact that you took both, I mean – one, only one of those guys can start. Is, is the one who doesn't win out going to transfer again? Or is it – it was very, the, very weird to me. The shocking part to me is not that they took both. The shocking part to me is that they landed. Both. Yeah, that. That's the shocking that, part. That's what I mean. Because, um, I mean, dude, I, I was the last, that was the last box for me, for Dan, as a head coach. Are you going to be able to recruit at an elite level on the offensive side of the football? I have no doubts and qualms about whether or not Dan Landing will be able to recruit defensive players for the rest of his time as a head football coach. But when you are a defensive coordinator for life, you will always get questions about your offensive ability unless you solve them immediately, which is exactly what Dan Lanning's done in two years as a head coach. There is not a single question about whether or not his teams are going to have good offenses, where it took Kirby Smart six years, seven, seven years as a head football coach before people guaranteed that they were going to have a good offense. I wouldn't say – I'd say six. When? 21-21? Yeah, that's, that's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, six. That's six seasons. That's crazy. This dude did it in like nine months. <laughs> nine months he solved whether or not this dude was going to be able to play offense. Now, granted, Pac-12, say what you want, but that was one of the more efficient offenses in the sport. And by the way, both of his coordinators are probably going to get picked off Most in efficient two years. quarterback in college football history. Yeah. It's crazy. And he just signed two guys. Yeah. Two so, like two highly, highly, highly coveted guys. Highly you know, coveted. This maybe, isn't like uh like no offense. It's not like a Kyle McCord situation. No. It's like those are two guys I was like, whoa, those are NFL quarterbacks. This isn't even a Will Howard no. conversation. This is totally different. And I don't want to do the thing too much of like saying that this is all Dan Lanning is he's just a copycat. I'm not doing this, but I think it is maybe a sense of he learned something from the Kirby Smart book while he was there at Georgia. Because Kirby Smart got burned yeah. in his quarterback room. That room got depleted mm. very quickly and it got rather scary. I mean, you were playing walk on versions that's and Bennett in the SEC championship game when Jake Fromm got hurt. And so maybe it got non-competitive for the last two years of Jake Fromm's career. Yeah, he didn't it was have just to get better. No, nope. yeah. he never he never got pushed. He never got anything. It was so just maybe this that's is your job. Dan Lanning saying like that's not happening to me now that Bo Nix is gone. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Solid point. That was my biggest surprise, right? Dante Moore going to Oregon. Uh biggest loss in the portal. It's Dylan Gabriel for me. And I know that J you know Jackson Arnold's touted. I, yeah, I know all of that. But for me, it's the fact that you're walking into the SEC and now you are going with Arnold. You're not going with a guy like Dylan Gabriel who's been around college football for multiple years now, has been at multiple schools, has gotten experience in multiple conferences. Like, that's a daunting thing to go in there 
with the SEC, into an SEC schedule and a quarterback that has, I think, 68 career attempts, like that's not easy. That's not easy by any means. And so I would have felt much more comfortable going with Dylan Gabriel, You, which you can say what you want about him. I thought he was a very solid quarterback for Oklahoma this last year, very good quarterback. And I would have felt a lot more comfortable going into that as a Sooner fan with Dylan Gabriel than someone that has less than 70 career attempts. My turn? Yeah. So – Losing Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka to the draft really hurt you, and I think they were banking on Julian Fleming being mm. kind of that veteran presence mm. in that room. And him, him being gone, I mean, that wide receiver room looks scarce now, like yeah. very depleted, not a lot of veteran leadership. Like, So I think Julian Fleming entering the transfer portal really hurt that Ohio State because, I mean, yeah, they, they don't have a starting – they have a starting quarterback, but he's not elite world beater, and now you don't really have veteran wide receiver presence, so – I wonder if Kojo Antwee's finally going to get on the field at Ohio mm. State. Kojo. I remember that name out of high school. Yeah. Uh, thoroughbred. Needed to go to Ohio State. Um, I think he would have got washed out at other schools because mm. he, he needed a lot of uh, development. Mm. Um, hopefully, Heartline's giving that to him, but we don't know. We haven't seen him on the field. Uh, I think the biggest loss, and I kind of make a, I made a joke about it last night when it popped up in the chat. Losing Quinty Ewers two off seasons ago, at Ohio State's kind of put them in this spot where they are where they are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he probably would have been their quarterback this year, and they wouldn't have had these problems no. at no. all. And he'd been their quarterback next year, and they wouldn't have these problems at all. Um, so yeah, losing that one's a massive loss from last year. Uh, team award. What team did the best in the portal this year? I think there's two options. I said Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Ole Miss is the cop on. I said answer, Oregon is the other yeah. one. Yeah, I mean Ole Miss yeah. did did great in the portal this year. And, you know, give him some props. No Dion De- Dion, Dion is about to give him some props. Dion did what he was supposed to do, which is go get starters for my son this year so we can dip out next year. He also had to because he signed five high school recruits. I, I, dude, the roster management there has to be a nightmare. Yeah, I can't even imagine. A nightmare. I can't even imagine that. And they were – they had like – they were going to be in a position where they almost had good bodies on the on the scout team. Guys that transferred there that didn't work, that weren't going to be able to go anywhere else. Yeah. But now the two-time rule has been removed. Mm. So now you can look up. And, and dudes that transferred there that immediately got mother-effed and told they're trash and they're never going to play there, they fitting to be gone. <laughs> they yeah. taking their Louis They fitting to be gone. The, the Chasing Deon, another Louis bag. The Deion Sanders experiment this year is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Especially in the Big 12. Absolutely. Um yeah, see, okay, they got the NIL values in the chat now. I'm so frustrated with that. I could imagine being a, a a capologist, a real capologist at one of these schools, and Jimmy, the three-star recruit or the four-star recruit coming out of high school that ain't never snapped or taken a goddamn snap. Coach, my on three valuation tell me I'm worth four hundred fifty thousand dollars. They had Bronny James's NIL valuation when he was a junior in high school. He was you know, number one. You know what my favorite thing about all that is? Because they have an equation. They tell you at the top what the it's follower all about. Right? Count. Yeah, it's like follower account with projection, uh-huh. with star ranking and all that stuff. And Bronny James sitting right there, whatever his valuation is, number one, right? And it's all it shows all of his like Twitter followers, his Instagram followers, his ranking, and it's based off of his followers. You can make that out, right? And then you go one down, it's Arch Manning, who didn't have social media. <laughs> your 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 formula is pristine, brother. <laughs> your formula, your formula is pristine when you got 
that type of contradictions right there in front of everybody's face. Um, those those things blow my mind. Um, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine somebody walking into my room and saying, Coach, this website, this website says I'm worth a quarter million. Where my money at? Where that bread at? Where that bread at, cuz? <laughs> um, that shit's wild to me. Uh biggest or team award, I said we said Oregon Ole Miss. Biggest story. What was the biggest story coming out of all this? I think that I, the one, the one, the first one that popped to mind was the A and M stuff. Kind of like those players officially leaving. Kind of mm. got some word out on like not everything that we heard about that twenty twenty one recruiting class panned out. Not everything that we believed about it was true. But I also say that you could throw in the biggest story was Fran Brown and the media impact he mm. had in the transfer portal and how he was immediately utilizing it. And Ooh. he was he wasn't getting slappy. He's like he wasn't just filling up a roster with the portal. Like, oh yeah, we already got ten recruits from North Dakota State and whoever else out west coast that you've never heard of. I mean, it was guys from big time schools that maybe didn't get an opportunity yet that he's going to give an opportunity to. Syracuse might I might change my answer to Syracuse as a team that won the portal this year. Yeah. Just because I mean they they just a big argument for yeah. it, mm-hmm. but for biggest story and and I think this isn't going to be a big story coming into the season as much as it will be when it comes to a head, but Jamon Dumas Johnson and Brock Vandergrift transferring to Kentucky makes that game so much bigger mm-hmm. now no when Georgia travels to town. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest stories. Um, I also just picked that because I wanted to stay away from everyone else's answers. How about the Seth Mc, Seth McLaughlin stuff? That's a huge story. That's a, that's a good one. That is interesting. Right? Like, Dude, Nick Saban gave him shit today on Pat McAfee. What did he say? He was They were asking him about the final play in the uh, in the game, and he was like, well, first off, the snap was abhorrent. I mean, you can't really do much when Jalen Milrow has to catch the ball like he did. You can't really make a cut. I mean, he, he very he pretty much singled him out without singling him out. Yeah, that's three. Um, I told y'all the other day I didn't get it. Yeah. I It frustrates me. I don't understand how Power 5 Division One centers – are out here rolling balls back to quarterbacks. That is gross. That is disgusting. Um, I would like you have QC exchange every day. There's zero excuse for that. It's disgusting to watch that happen. Um, so yeah, I'm with him. If he wants to go on there and just cook a dude for not being able to snap a damn ball, I'm with you, brother. Um, but yeah, him hitting the portal like what six hours after losing that game, that was ugly. Yeah. Now yeah, granted, pretty quick. The, the timeline's the timeline. Like the transfer portal window is what it is. But he, I, how do you think that conversation went? You think he was told to get leave? Get the hell out! Of here. <laughs> get the fuck out. Um, do you think it was like that? Seriously? No, I mean it was probably like. Thank you for your service. Someone probably came up and was like, "Hey, you realize you just cost us a national championship." And you ever seen Major League? Mm-hmm. Was that with uh, Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen, and yeah. The, the baseball team trying to lose games. They red tagged him for sure. <laughs> they red tagged yeah. his off. They, they red tagged his locker, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, um, man, I saw a, a Moneyball meme about it, and it was like, see, Billy, when I see Seth McLaughlin, I see a guy that is a very serviceable SEC offensive lineman who just doesn't know how to f- and snap the ball to the quarterback. <laughs> and he's like, you're not trying to buy blocks. You're trying to buy snaps. All right, let's move on to our bunch of Bama topics. I got three. I got – we can talk about the roster. We can talk about Miss Terry. Or we can talk about Nick Saban's comments on the Michigan game. Where do y'all want to start? Let's go Miss Terry. Terry. Yeah, unanimous. Uh, Miss Terry, apparently, uh, her phone number got leaked to Florida State fans, and Florida State fans were calling Miss Terry mother effing Miss Terry. How how does this happen? Because it happened to Stetson Bennett, 
It happened now to Miss Terry. Like, how do these things happen? You th- like, I don't yellow understand. pages. It's I mean, no <laughs> Miss Terry's cell phone number on the goddamn yellow pages. God. No, but I mean, you can you can find people's phone numbers pretty easily online. You think so? Yeah, it's not that hard. All right, I'll give you till the end of the show to find Miss Terry's phone number. I mean, it's probably just gotten recently changed, but you probably have to pay for something to find yeah, the, it. Yeah, there's but. there's sites where like a- everything you've ever signed up for, every email you've signed up, created an account for, goes and is sold to some database that then is then bought from another database so it can be resold for people trying to find phone numbers. So if you're an angry Florida State fan, you're willing to pay a five dollar paywall, you can find pretty much anyone's phone number. Same thing with Stetson Bennett. What a bunch, what a bunch of low lifers, man. Gross. Of that's, all that's people, I was thinking, of all gross. people, you want to call, you want to call Nick Saban's wife. Like, really? I think it's kind of funny. Well, of course, it, it is kind of funny, funny to think like, about. Like, like, it is funny to think funny. about a Florida State fan one evening. Like, oh man, I'm gonna call Miss Terry and call her the B word, man. This is gonna <laughs> be yeah, great. Just imagine being Miss Terry and you get a Tallahassee, Florida, and you're like, hello. And it's just like you ruined our season, bitch. I'm gonna like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, why is why is Miss Terry getting the why show? is Miss Terry getting mother effed on <laughs> on the phone from Florida State fans? That's kind of gross. Um, I think they. I, I'm waiting for the Florida State fan to stand up and be like, "We are embarrassing ourselves. Please stop." Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen they, that. Happen they've had yet. a few of them. They just Have get they? they get shut down and they get they get flamed. Yeah, I saw one guy doing it. I think one person and the first comment, the top comment I saw was a comedian say, "Get up." Out of here. I mean, F- Florida State fans go scorched earth. Yeah. Do you remember when Dion took Travis Hunter from Florida State, Mm-mm. and they were burning his jersey? Oh my God! Yeah, they burned a high school jersey. No, 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 no. They were taking like their Dion Sanders memorabilia. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. yeah burned the primetime stuff. And people were like, "Guys, stop! Dion Sanders is still a legend." Like, no, shut up. He's dead to us. So like, Florida State fans get nasty very quickly. Speaking of getting nasty really quickly, I want to read you guys some Instagram comments. Uh, direct messages. My Instagram accounts are the only one. Well, I have two new ones in here as well. Um, that should, this should here. be a new segment, honestly. You read one, <laughs> one DM. And you ugly four-eyed ass don't got shit to say now about Michigan, huh? LOL, bitch. Bama is trash. <laughs> <laughs> the LOL, huh? LOL, bitch is funny. Bama is trash and never stood a chance against the M. Please learn football or die. <laughs> Please learn football or die. That was my favorite. This is like the um, the Jimmy Fallon segment where it's like, we're just going to make you read mean tweets about yourself. This one right here. Your lack of football knowledge astonishes me. See you in the natty, pussy. Eat <laughs> shit, fat fucking loser. I hate to laugh, but it's, uh, no, it's pretty Bro, funny. It's pretty funny. The, the learn football or die comment was classic. <laughs> I ran across that one and I legitimately laughed. Like, learn football or die. There's only two options. Put that on a shirt. Holy Fucking shit. Fucking die learn or learn football. Or learn football or die. Learn football or die. There's um, a new catchphrase. Dude. All right, so we talked about Miss Terry. Nick Saban's comments on the game or the roster? What do y'all want to talk about? Because they got some roster news. Nick Saban's comments on the game. All right, so Nick Saban was on Pat McAfee today, and he commented about how um, Michigan did a really, really good job of huddling. They were the first football team that they played all year that huddled, and what it caused – was an error in communication oftentimes. Basically, what would happen was, and what Alabama's been doing on defense is, they see what the offense is doing, and then they get a new call in to de- defend what is happening in front of them. But it was unable to be done when you're huddled, 
rush to the line of scrimmage, maybe flip a rotation, maybe show some motion, and then line up and play football. What it ultimately forced Alabama to do is be responsive um, and not have time to actually do any correcting in between snaps. I thought it was a really good point. Um, the fact that we have so much no huddle and so much fast-paced offense throughout college football that a team actually huddling created problems for a defense. I thought that was a, a strong, noteworthy point. Something I've never even considered about that giving you an advantage. I guess that's just like unadapting versus adapting to what college football has become. Correct. Sliding the pendulum back. Mm -hmm. What do you think about them experimenting with the mics um, during bowl season? What they do now? The Some helmet mics. They did it for like six bowl games. They like it had to be in oh, NFL stadiums. I think it's the dumbest take in the world. I think it's the dumbest take in the world. If I'm a no, if I'm a no huddle, fast paced offense, okay, and I have a headset, in my quarterback. Let me just ask you: We're trying to run no huddle. Mm -hmm. Slot right, sixty two, go ball fade. I'll put it in your ear. Mm -hmm. How do you tell the ten other guys? That that's what we got going on in a no huddle situation. You have to give them some signals, ain't you? You got to give them some third damn base signals. coach style, baby. Yeah. So guess what you're gonna do you now? Just because signals. we just because we put a microphone in in the headset of the quarterback, we just slowed the process down even more because now we're feeding the the play to the quarterback, and then the quarterback's got to turn around and signal out. That's <clears> the stupidest <throat> shit I've ever heard. It was the dumbest take. It was so. It was so ridiculously stupid and the honestly the only coach i ever heard say anything about it and recognize what i'm saying right now is kirby smart kirby's like well it's still not gonna fix fast-paced offenses you still got a signal signaling is the fastest way to get shit in you're still gonna signal so yeah this idea of oh microphones in the headset it would work for michigan it would work for your defensive players right um but it wouldn't do anything for fast-paced offenses well, you know the, one what about they, what about the ipads what about them? They were letting they like there was a they're also testing out you had iPads on the field and you're like being able to like rewatch gameplay as it happens. Yeah, so that that that's a made available on the high school level right now and, yeah. and all all that's going to do is your you ability to correct. Oh. That's going to really emphasize coaching and that's fine. But the the product of the in the down in down out play and how, the style of play that's not going to impact anything. What I thought was interesting is um, it was during the Utah game they were talking about this, is they're definitely going to have to figure some things out if this is the direction they're going to want to go to, and this is the reason why. It's like in the NFL, the mic cuts off in the helmet with 15 seconds left on the game clock. Like when there is 15 seconds left, there's no more communication between the coach or anything. In college, the coaches can basically talk to the player the entire time, even when the play is going on. And so what? I th who, who did Utah play against um, in the bowl game? can't exactly remember couldn't even tell you but anyways utah had a freshman safety and so they elected that he was going to be one of the people with the microphone in his helmet and the defensive coaches were basically going to be able to talk him through every single play and every Yo, single wild. down and that's so they wild. were the other team was like this should be, be allowed that. for that can't be having that i would yeah. hate that as a player oh my god i would too uh do you do y'all remember the blake bortles story uh-uh when he first got in the league he spent his first 12 games talking back to the microphone in his headset because <laughs> he thought he could. So he was sitting there arguing with the dude, and he didn't realize until like 12 games in that the coach wasn't hearing him because he said something in a meeting like, I thought I told you that during the game. And the coach was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> was in the booth, like, dumbass. I, dude, I, I, I said it in the helmet. I said it on the microphone. He's like, you fucking idiot. I can't hear you. Oh, God, do you we're, imagine, on, we're on a roll. Do you right can you imagine we're what that would sound like? It'd be like. Sorry, kids. It'd be like. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. All right, so those were Nick Saban's comments on the game. Do y'all want to talk about this roster? They got 12 transfers. 
uh, five dra- draft declarations, and two returners, two super senior returners. Do you want to talk about this? This is Alabama's roster. This is Alabama's okay. roster. Okay, sure. Um, so the the two guys coming back are Deontay Lawson, the linebacker, and Malachi Moore, who I have no idea how has still has. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That guy's gonna st- the guy's basically going to start in college for five years um, after playing six. Now, some of these transfers don't really matter. Like Eli Holstein, that was a, a kid that was, uh, I think, the fourth-ranked quarterback. Y'all, y'all jokers, man. All y'all ranking services, y'all some slappies. How in the world did y'all think Eli Holstein was going to be better than Dylan Lonergan? I don't know. Y'all are some goofies. Um, but, yeah, the Eli Holstein thing, we, we sniffed that one coming out. I was like, that dude's uh. – um, anyways, he's entered a transfer portal. Probably would have never ever played um, there. Um, J.C. Latham going to the, the draft early. There's some names in here like Dallas Turner entering the draft early. Chris Braswell entering the draft early. Uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, Taryn Arnold entering the draft early. But a lot of this stuff is like backups. It's very similar to the roster attrition that Georgia's seen as well. So I don't think there's a bunch of news and storylines here other than Malachi Moore returning for a 60-year. Are y'all tired of super seniors yet? Yeah. Dude, um, the um, Alan Bowman kid got a seventh year of eligibility the at quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he – I don't think Alan he's Alan Bowman? Yeah. That dude needs to be selling uh, insurance. I think he's at Oregon family, State bro. now Counting. or something like that. But yeah, got his seventh, got a seventh year granted. That dude's an accountant, and you can't tell me any different. Uh, we got nine minutes. Let's do – oh, no, no, let's talk about Malachi Nelson right quick. Malachi Nelson pretty much rumored, very akin to what Will Howard had going on, very uh, linked right now to Boise State. So we go from – in his class, he was the number four overall quarterback, former five-star, and the tape was phenomenal. Like, the tape had no questions. The, the mechanics had no questions. Um, he had a lot of sample size to look at as well. My question is, how how much has Lincoln Riley been shit-talking this dude every time a coach calls? Hmm. Got to be a quite It a has to be a tremendous amount. There is no way Lincoln Riley has said anything good about this kid since he's entered the portal, or else somebody would be taking a stab. A five-star, six-foot-three, 200-pound quarterback that by all means checked every box coming out of high school – Spends 12 months with Lincoln Riley, and now he's got to go to Boise State? That makes no sense to me. That, that throws up so many red flags about what is being said right now, I would imagine, about this kid. Yeah, that's I never even, I never even thought about that. That is interesting to why. Like, Ty Thompson said at Oregon for three years. It's very obvious why that kid's not playing. He must not be that good. Um, or he must not be Power 5 Oregon good. But Malachi Nelson – Everybody was in on Malachi Nelson. Everyone, the whole industry and every coaching staff. And 12 months later, he's taking visits to Tulane and Boise State while schools like South Carolina don't have a quarterback on the roster, at least with known starting experience. Now, I know they have a freshman that they believe in, but I'm just throwing that out there. There's so many different rosters with question marks at the quarterback position, and Malachi Nelson's going to Boise State? Yeah. That's yeah, weird. That's interesting. Very, very, very weird. And again, man, this this is the first. I mean, think about the track record of five stars that this dude's got: Kyler Murray, Caleb Williams. You come play for Lincoln Riley, one pick, one right. This is the third five star, and it was twelve months. See ya. Don't want you. Don't want anybody else affiliated with this program wanting you either, because we're not going to allow them to miss on you like we did. That's that's what it seems like to me. That's nuts. Um, way too early hot seat. Now I got to think about this. Ask the boys. There's the hot seat. We all know that. So, very, very common nomenclature term in 
football worlds or in coaching worlds or sporting worlds in general. So-and-so on the hot seat, fitting to get fired. But what is the what is the stage of life as a coach prior to hot seat? And I suggested to you guys the pressure pad. Mm-hmm. The, you know, it's not quite hot yet, but, you know, w- when you squeeze something, eventually it makes it really hot, right? Pressure creates heat and friction when atoms are bumping. Mm-hmm. All right, so the pressure pad is where we're at right now, warming up to that hot seat. So we know some of the coaches that are already on the hot seat. Who are some of the coaches entering the 2024 season who are already on that pressure pad? I got a handful of this right here. And now, granted, this pressure pad doesn't necessarily have to mean, hey, you're on the verge of maybe being talked about being fired. But, like, for example, Lane Kiffin on the pressure pad. If Lane Kiffin doesn't compete for a national title this year, he ain't never going to get the investment that he got this past offseason. There is pressure in Oxford. That is a pressure pad situation. I can think of three off the top of my head. Give me one. One? Only Give one. Give me one. Josh Heupel. Oh, I like that. Mm. Got to show that it wasn't a fluke year, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Got to show it wasn't a fluky one. Uh, Brian Kelly. Okay. Got to show defense or something? Yeah. I mean, it's time to kind of – I mean, it's year three. Year three is a crucial year for you as a head coach. You've been listening. Year three, baby. <laughs> Three-year rule. Year, year three rule around here. Um, Billy Napier on the pressure pad, big time. I think Billy Napier's on, on the hot, hot seat. seat. I think you could. We're already in the hot seat. I mean, I, if they go, if they go four and eight in twenty twenty four, like obviously they have. If they go four and eight, but they start zero and eight, and the four last four wins are DJ Lagway wins. Mm. Peak if they, rule if they start zero and eight, yep. if they start zero and eight, he's gone before. You're right. Yeah, yeah like that's, he's that's pretty fair. You're right. So I think I think Napier's on do the hot we, seat. Do we think? Shane Beamer. I got him I, I think for sure I think on the pressure pad. Too. You think it's hot seat? I think that's hot seat, You too. think this year was pressure pad? I think last year, yeah, last year was pressure pad. And, and not as much because everyone came in so much, so happy on him and so high on him. I mean, like, I know you infamously said you'd play for him. But, like, towards that week four spot, I was like, wait a minute. This guy, is, what's he doing? Now and, then, we, and, and then from there on, it was pressure pad. We now went, it's hot seat. We went viral in the state of Iowa on TikTok. Yeah, we did. For your punting comment. Yeah. What are, what are they, like, do they like – Kirk Ferentz, are they out here thinking like devil you know better than the devil you don't type deal? I, I mean, know. let's be honest. Who, who's taking the Iowa job? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're going to get somebody that you hope's as good as Kirk Ferentz. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get somebody that you can hope will put you middle of, uh, above the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Like that's your line of demarcation at Iowa. And I don't know if you fire somebody you know for a fact is going to put you there. And you just hope that that guy retires. He He's, by the way, at that point, right? He's the greatest coach in Iowa football history. Yep. You let that guy walk when he wants to walk, I think. Yeah. You already made him fire his son. Or you can ask him to walk Politely. a little faster, please. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can Mac Brown him if you yeah. want at Texas. Um, how about Here's, Lincoln Riley? I, I think, think it's too hot, early. I think that's hot seat. See, you're you're jumping already into the hot seat. I think, I think it's, it's too pressure early. pad this year. If I don't even yeah. think it's pressure pad. I think it's yet. pressure pad. You you think he's got a couple years, huh? Like I said, like as much as I want to do, as much as I want to say that there's a chance, I shouldn't say as much as I want it, but like, like it, damn. <laughs> sorry, I'm not a Lincoln Riley here, but as Lincoln much, Riley DMing your wife or something. As What's much going as I on, think man? that, <laughs> as much as I think that there like is a possibility for, it, I also think that there isn't a possibility for it because again, like. If you're going to move away from Lincoln Riley, that means that you got to find another option to fill him in. 
who out there is are you going to pick up that you think is just going to do a better job than Lincoln Riley? The way the way I view it is whether your pressure pad or hot seat is like pressure pads. You can afford to have a bad season, and people aren't like, "Get him out of here." He has to go. Yeah, like hot seat is like I think if USC goes seven and five, like his job is in serious jeopardy. Correct. So I mean that's that's hot seat for me. I think there's a lot of pressure on James Franklin. This oh year. yeah, I was gonna say James Franklin, Ryan Day's another one. Mm. Is Dabo Sweeney a pressure pad or hot seat guy? Because if they turn in another three loss season, I mean, buy the stock. I, I I don't I don't know much about Clemson administration, but if you haven't been like relatively great at football since the '90s, and somebody makes you great, that guy is set for life. And by the way, I think his contract's through 2034. Mm. Oh, Will you Google so his contract for me? His contract's dumb long. Here's a here's one that I think and is like a, nine and a half mil. Here's a good one, I think. Shit, I just blinked on his name. Mike Norvell. Nah. I think he's under pressure to show that he's that wasn't a fluke. It yeah. wasn't a one year thing. But not not but in not, any job not in terms of losing your job. Not in jobs. Is that very, what, is very that, pressurized like Lane Kiffin is this year? Or like Kirby, or reason. Kirby was coming in twenty twenty one. Yeah, okay. twenty thirty one. Twenty thirty one. God. And there's escalations in that contract. I would imagine he's yeah. getting paid like nine and a half right now. By the end of it, he's paid like thirteen. Yeah, I mean the this article says ten year one hundred fifteen million. He ain't going nowhere, bub. No, he's staying. Yeah. Yeah. Who are yours? I went through all mine. Is it? Is it? Is Nick Saban under some pressure now to win? No. I don't Dude, think time he's 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 under he, pressure like Jerry Jones is. Nick Saban, what, hold on. Here's what I mean. Jerry Jones got a lifetime, a lifespan on his on his ability to win titles right now. It's coming to a close. The same thing can be said because of his career length for Nick Saban. Like I, I'm not saying that he has to win. I'm saying that if Nick Saban wants to win another national title, his years are numbered. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's that's just simple facts. Yeah, I think it's. I think the pressure for Nick Saban isn't if you don't win. It's like, why is he still our coach, or is he on oh, the no, hot seat after this? Pressure yeah, gotcha. I think. Okay. I think it's more of a, if Bama doesn't win the national title in twenty twenty four, has the sport quote unquote passed him by, or is he no longer where he is? I mean, so that's where I think the pressure is. But I don't know if that's job security pressure. What about Mark Stoops? I was gonna say good shout from the chat right here. Uh, Baylor's head coach Dave Aranda. Hot seat. That's hot. That dude seat. might as well hot. be in the can. Yeah, that's, that dude. That's he might as well be gone. Seat. Yeah, that water's boiling. That's not <laughs> pressure. Yeah. That's a hot yeah, seat. Yeah, that's hot seat. That's a volcano um, about to erupt. Who's your suggestion? Mark Stoops. Mm. I think Mark's on some pressure from this standpoint. He told his booster, "Y'all some broke bitches," yes. and yes. they went out and spent some money this off season. So yeah, he better not be seven and five. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm, like if you pull a, a high a high quality recruit in Brock Vander, if and you get and you get a Butkus semifinalist, Georgia's starting linebacker, and you go eight and four, seven and five Yo, with that, that roster. That was some wild shit. He literally just called all of his boosters some broke ass bitches. <laughs> why? Why am I getting dubbed up by fifty? Cause y'all broke. That's why. <laughs> Cause y'all broke. That's why. Um, <laughs> hey, that is our show for tonight. I love you. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Uh, we'll see you Tuesday after a national title. Damn, bro. College football's over after this. I know. This was our last show of the season. It's just so-